Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to Cricket with an Accent. Uh, with a few more days to go for the next test, uh, there are some hot topics surrounding Indian cricket, especially uh, the decision making and the results. And you know, are we still poor travelers? And to break those uh, topics down, you know, I have uh, some Twitter friends joining me today. Sanke Singhal is coming again on this podcast, and also joined by Ajinkya calling in from Texas. Welcome, guys. Thank you, Sanke. Great to be back again. Thank you, Sanke. Yep, yeah, nice to be here. Yeah, and, and uh, most of again us have a common, you know, uh, following, and especially Sanket has a lot of uh, it's a big following on Twitter. He's very passionately speaking about uh, cricket. He hides his biases, and you know, sometimes it's all about you know cricket judgment. Uh, so uh, one thing we cannot hide here in this uh, the elephant in the room is Virat Kohli's captaincy, his uh, post mortems and press conference. I know he's kind of a guy who hates to lose, like most champions. So sometimes we can. we cannot really take everything he stakes for its face value mm-hmm. but let me start right away uh, with sanket there's a lot of talk about aggression and then there's a lot, lot of talk about intent and sometime team selection depends on those so have you measured some inconsistencies since the man took over and since shastri was reinstated well i think ever since kohli took over the captaincy full time in 2015 i think there have been some mixed messages that have been sent out the team selection especially has been particularly inconsistent i think he's played like something like 33 test matches without uh, playing the same 11 and obviously he keeps chopping and changing and to a certain extent it it makes sense uh, when you pick bowlers uh, according to the conditions and horses for courses and all that that that's fine but i think the extent to which he has chopped and changed uh that's probably uh, i think that's created a little bit of insecurity maybe amongst the players and you perhaps players are not able to play the natural games so i guess that could be one of the reasons and regarding the inconsistencies i think i i'm not too sure whether i'd call it an inconsistency i think it's probably more of a model process because i i remember once on a rank turner in mohali he went in with five bowlers which were absolutely surplus to requirements and uh, then on some f- flat pitches he has even gone in with six batsmen so uh, i guess it depends on the availability of the players rohit sharma obviously remains a contentious uh, topic in indian cricket and uh, all rounders they first tried stuart binney now they've got hardik pandya they've tried some jayant yadav and quite a few guys have been tried but yeah there's been no consistency or any sort of coordination in the team selections <laughs> Okay, so I think the same question to you in a different manner because I was thinking along myself because sometimes you know we tend to be harsh on someone if we are not aligned with their thought process mm-hmm. and the decision making. We all have read, and I'm a little older than you guys, so I've even seen Imran Khan back in the day making some really, you know, maverick or unconventional decisions. He called people during tours, and people came and performed. And some there was a guy called I think Yunus Ahmed. He came after a hiatus. He played in South Africa, scored a fifty against India. uh and those are you know legendary stories so is kohli a work in progress or are these uh, you know these big statements or big decisions he make are these just like blunders uh, are we are we being fair to him uh see when it comes to team selections i believe um, i've always you know been of the school of thought that uh there's a lot which goes on behind the scenes and in the team management which doesn't always come out uh, in the public to us as fans so uh usually i tend to believe that uh these guys know what they're doing better than us and uh i try not to criticize those decisions but yes uh, at the same time it's been true that uh he hasn't always sent you know uh you know a message of security to some of his best players uh 
I think that happens. It's also sometimes an issue of him not having, you know, a standout 11, especially when it comes to opening batsmen or his bowlers. So uh, there's not really somebody who, you know, like Zahir Khan, who you have to get in the team. So sometimes it happens that you've got four really good bowlers, but you are not really sure who's going to do well and you make changes. Uh, Can yeah. yeah, yeah. Can I come in? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. But, uh, do you think this these? Uh, I mean, the lack of a standout could could it be possibly down to him not investing in a particular player too much and maybe just chopping and changing around? Because uh, uh, it's probably a chicken egg situation because uh, you don't know what is causing the uh, uh, sort of inconsistencies and uh, constant chopping and changing. But maybe if someone like Bhuneshwar Kumar, for example, if he wasn't just seen as a green top specialist and if he was given the opportunity to develop on flat pitches at home and maybe if he was, if, if he was played consistently, then maybe he could well have developed into the Zahir Khan type of spearhead uh, that you're talking about because I think he has increased his pace. Uh, I think he's a pretty decent exponent of seam bowling as well. He used to be primarily a swing bowler at the start of his career, but now I think he's a pretty decent exponent of seam bowling as well. And he's he bowls in the high high 130s, which is pretty similar to what Zahir Khan used to bowl at his peak. So I, I'm just wondering, maybe it's just down to the selection. Maybe he's just stopping and changing too much. And the same goes for the opening slot because, uh, I mean, when Jinkya Rahane was uh, out injured and uh, Karun Nair came in and scored a triple hundred, uh, he, he was left out, and rightly so in my opinion, for when Jinkya Rahane came back against Australia. But the same principle has not been applied to openers. When Shikhar Dhawan came in for Murli Vijay and he scored runs, he, he kept his place and uh, Murli Vijay wasn't allowed back in. Then did Shikhar Dhawan missed a test due to some uh, family commitments. Vijay came in and uh, Vijay and Rahul opened. And then suddenly Rahul is out of the team for the third test match. You, you're playing three different opening combinations in the same series. Uh, I'm not too sure that makes sense, does it? Yeah, I think it's a fair comparison, Sanket, you raised because I was just asking when think for the uh, part with Ajenkia, I was just telling him, I mean, uh, Kohli has uh, singled out certain players like Pujara and now he's even gone on, you know, when put uh, put on the spot that nobody wanted Rahane in the team. But uh, he's benched Shikhar Dhawan and Rohit Sharma in the past, but I've never seen, and you, can, you guys can correct me, I don't recall a moment when he really, you know, uh, mentioned those uh, guys in a negative frame uh, in the press conference. And uh, then that makes uh, me beg the question uh, about his inconsistencies and whoever wants to take this. He's openly said nobody in this team owns a spot. And then when the whole Rohit Sharma-Pujara debate was going on last year, then he said about someone that I want you to bat this position so you own this spot. So there are a lot of inconsistencies in his young captaincy. Aggression is the only consistent token so far. So... uh, and, and uh, going back to the question, sorry, uh, I'm going to stem a question out of what Sanket just said. So you think, uh, is it tough for bowlers if they're juggled around more than it's tough for batsmen, like a three-way opening slot that's going on between Vijay Rahul and uh, uh, Dhawan? Go you think a guy yeah. like Bhuvneshwar Kumar is still struggling to come to terms with why he was dropped in the second test? Uh, would you like to take that, Sanket, or should I? Uh... Yeah. Uh, regarding Bhuvaneshwar, I guess uh, there's been, I mean, you know, big former players have spoken out against him being excluded for the second test. Uh, and I do believe that uh, there's been a certain sort of uh, stereotyping of Bhuvaneshwar as a green top specialist, as Sanket rightly mentioned. Maybe if uh, given the chance, and this applies to batsmen and bowlers, if given a chance to uh, show his skill, I guess, in different conditions. Maybe he could turn out to be somebody like Zahir, who who is you know reliable and consistent across conditions. So yes, to a to an extent, I do agree that 
you have to invest in your players in your best players and keep giving them chances because you don't really want to keep chopping and changing based on form and conditions too much if you see a player who has you know class you just stick with him and hope he comes good, good and they usually do so okay so sanket in the last test right there was always talk about how south african bowlers because of the physique and build were able to extract more bounce mm-hmm. you know uh, that's not a surprise so you think in in that regard also the indian team management uh, missed a trick there because i think of all our guys umesh yadav seems to be a guy if i'm you know correct me if i'm wrong but uh, he could could have been injected you know if they read the pitch right because he's probably a stronger lad and could have injected more bounce on the uh, track that was semi dead probably probably yeah because the track as as the south african pacers mentioned it was largely uh, a somewhat subcontinental type track and umesh yadav has done really well for india in the subcontinental conditions i think is he's obviously by far the quickest of the indian seamers through the air uh, he can hit the deck hard and he can extract bounce out of the surface and he can rush batsmen i, I remember him uh, roughing david warner up and david warner is a very good player of fast bowling uh, in a test match at dharamshala but i think the problem with umesh yadav is that he, his current form is probably not the greatest i think he played a, a semi final for in the ranji trophy for his ranji trophy side vidarbha against uh, i think i don't know the opposition name but i think on a green top surface in indore i believe and he had a very disappointing match and he was out bowled by uh, some other quick uh, called gurbani uh some youngster so maybe his current form is what played against him i think virat kohli has uh, has been rightly mentioned is a big believer in current form unfortunately that wasn't really applied to bhuvneshwar but we'll get to that later uh, but uh, so yeah i guess that is possibly the reason umesh yadav didn't make it they did pick ishan sharma who is supposed to be that hit the deck kind of a bowler doesn't have the same pace as umesh but i think he was a good selection i would have picked him in the first test as well because i thought he bowled really well against sri lanka and he's just the type of bowler that you need in these conditions someone who's tall and someone who can bowl in right areas because the conditions are helpful and you need someone who's very accurate to uh, you know just be able to bowl those long spells long spells alongside uh, maybe the more attacking sort of quicks so uh, i guess umesh yadav uh, omission was probably justified but uh, there could have been a case for playing him as well sure so next test we all believe india will go out you know all firing they have to play for pride even though kevin peterson thinks there's no such thing as playing for pride uh, and if uh, that's the case who's kohli you think going to bring in and uh, that also i'll also add a question that just came in uh, anand who's hosted the tennis podcast and also part of this podcast he wants to know uh, is mohammad shami overrated because you know he's been our go to guy but he's kind of uh, uh, not firing in the first innings and also bleeding a lot of runs i think uh, what's your take on that uh yeah sometimes he does uh, for a new ball bowler he does seem to lack a bit of control and uh, i don't know if it's just my impression but it sometimes seems to me that he starts off a series or a test match fairly loosely and then he comes into his own later in the series or later in the test match uh it's it i mean again uh he's he's one of the best options we have and he's done really well in subcontinental conditions he can you know good wicket to wicket bowler and decent pace and uh, gets the ball to reverse uh on these uh, south african conditions probably you need somebody who can uh stick to a more corridor line and bowl at a line and length instead of being a wicket to wicket bowler uh i think he's worth sticking with definitely and at the start of the series he certainly was in my top 3 seamers for india and i'd have picked him for both the tests he hasn't mm. really uh shown uh, reflected that through his performance but uh, i guess it happens and uh, i'd continue st- sticking with him because as we said 
you need to give players chances across conditions. So I believe he can come good in these conditions for India. Okay, so let's do a mini selection drill. Uh, it's still, you know, five, six days. It's a fruitless exercise, but, you know, we can compare notes. So, Ajinka, one more question to you. So, let's go from the bottom to the top. Uh-huh. Who are the bowlers that you think uh, should be picked for Johannesburg? Okay, uh, I'd certainly pick Ishan Sharma, by far the best fast bowler, uh, Indian fast bowler on display in the second test. Um, and uh, I think I'd uh, give uh, Mohammad Shami, uh, I mean, another go. Uh, Mohammad Shami and Ishan Sharma were- uh, two certain picks and for the third seamer I guess again it's a toss up between Bhuvaneshwar and Bumrah but uh, looking at the kind of tech uh, Johannesburg usually is it's uh, correct me if I'm wrong but usually it's uh, the fastest uh, pitch in South Africa in recent times and uh, you know uh, often has a green track so uh, I Bhuvaneshwar I guess would, would be a good option in those conditions not that Bumrah has done badly in fact he's done really well uh, but if I really wanted to go in with my top three seamers and seeing that uh, Umesh Yadav is not really looked as an option for the series, uh, I'd go with Shami and Ishant and uh, Bhuvaneshwar. You agree, Sanket? Uh, I would personally stick with Jaspreet Bumrah over Mohamed Shami because I think Bumrah, even though he's, he's on his first tour of South Africa, I think he's adapted a lot faster. He's bowled much better in the first innings as compared to Shami. And uh, I think he's, he's also got that extra height. He's three or four inches taller than uh, Shami. He generally extracts more bounce naturally out of the surface than Shami. I, I just get the feeling with Shami that because of his uh, lack of inches, and I think Prem Kwanikar mentioned it as well in your last podcast, that uh, he, he probably has to put in that extra effort and he probably has to dig it in a little bit shorter to extract the sort of bounce that a taller quick might be able to extract on a fuller length and I think extracting length from a fuller length, uh, extracting bounce from a slightly fuller length is what actually makes the bowler dangerous. I think you saw the delivery that Bumrah bowled to Faf Duplessis at Cape Town uh-huh. that just uh, took off of a length and I'm not too sure Shami would be able to produce that and I just think he's be bowled much better than Shami uh, especially in the first innings which is when the uh, match is generally won or lost. Shami's wickets have largely, as you l- l- rightly pointed out, they have largely come in uh, rather inconsequential situations uh, So, uh, and given that it this is his first tour. I think he's given a pretty decent account of himself. So I would definitely stick with Bumrah. Uh, I'd probably leave out Shami. Uh, so that that would be the only change. Uh, yeah, that would be the only change. And how about uh, the spinner? You still stick with Ashwin? I, I'm not too sure. A spinner will be required at Johannesburg for, uh, actually, because uh, I mean, uh, obviously the, there are I think a lot of five or six days to go for the test. So. The pitch could obviously change drastically, but the last picture that I saw of the pitch, and you perhaps couldn't quite uh, make out the difference between the outfield and the pitch. So that's how green it was. And Ashwin didn't have a great time at Johannesburg last time around, four years ago. Obviously, that was a different pitch, perhaps a bit more uh, su- suited to his style of bowling than the pitch expected next week, I guess. Uh, and uh, Ashwin was okay at Centurion. I wouldn't say he was a failure, but he, I think you probably needed more from a spinner on, on that type of surface that's probably the most uh, helpful surface that he's likely to encounter during India's overseas leg and he was okay but he was not earth shattering so if the pitch is if the pitch is green then I would probably go so, in with the extra batsman and Ajinkya Rahane replacing uh, Ashwin and go in with Hardik Pandey as the fourth pace I think I've been really impressed by his bowling and he could probably do a job as the fourth seamer in my opinion so have that extra batting depth that, that could come in handy in a low scoring match I guess and uh, Dinesh Karthik, uh, Ajinkya coming in for uh, Parthi Patel, is that uh, something or is, is, is that going to be too much uh, mixing up? Uh, I think I think 
uh, it's fair enough to stick with Parthiv, I think, uh, because he's about as good a bat- batsman as Dinesh Karthik is, and there's really no reason to drop him when, I mean, nobody else in the team really gave an outstanding performance. Uh, but is he as good a keeper because it's a specialist position, right? The the chance he didn't even try for, uh, in the that, that's been the talking point. I mean, is that just you know a mistake we can uh, overlook, or is that a fundamental flaw? Uh, a fundamental flaw is something. Uh, it's it's really a serious thing to say. But uh, again, I'm and Dinesh Karthik is not. It's not like he's a you know wicket keeper like uh, on the level of Riddhiman Saha or somebody. So it's not that he's going to offer you far more than Parthiv Patel is and Parthiv Patel is as good a batsman as he is and he has started the tour before Dinesh Karthika so it's fair enough to you know uh, go with what we said at the start of the podcast and you know try to avoid too much chopping and changing Parthiv I think could could do a decent job yeah all right, Jinka, just hold your thoughts on the keeper because there's a selection uh, there's a question that came from the keeper selection from Hitesh Bhagat mm-hmm. uh, and he's asking uh, why, since the series already lost why not we you know give a chance to someone like Rishabh Pant is it something, you know, I know the team's already, uh, Karthik's already in South Africa, but is that something you entertain as a thought, uh, bringing someone totally new? Uh, well, the series is lost, but I've always been of the school of thought that a test match is a test match and every test match is important. The You know, the concept of a series has primacy, but you you don't want to, you know, go in with less than your best 11 for, for a test match. Uh, so, and Rishabh Pant, again, fantastic prospect, but uh, debuting him on a you know tough tour of South Africa against a really really good team uh, going to be a really really harsh examination. Mm-hmm. I would uh, probably save uh, Rishabh Pant for a debut at home, and he's got plenty of time. He's just twenty. There's no need to rush him in, in the team right now. It's better to yeah. Yeah, go with a team which will probably get your Test match win away. And uh, going back to the team selection, uh, are you in agreement with Sanket that with you know this being the fastest track, it's okay to play an extra batsman? If that's the case, uh, what is your team going to look like in addition to the bowlers you already mentioned? Uh, well, yeah. Uh, so, I think uh, my top four is going to remain the same. So, the uh, Vijay and Rahul and Pujara and Kohli are going to stay there. Uh, I'll come back to Rohit Sharma versus Rahane later. Uh, <laughs> Uh, for the wicketkeeper, as I said, I'd stick with Parthiv and uh, Pandya has done, I think, well enough to justify selection. Uh, okay. And he, he has, uh, Sanket made a point about this being the fastest track and possibly uh, there being no need for a spinner. But I'm always apprehensive of the idea of going into a test match without a specialist spinner. Because if conditions during the test match, and the test match is still a few days away, uh, the you know, they could shave the grass off or whatever. If conditions arise during the test match with, when you really need a spinner and you don't have one, that's when you really uh, start regretting it. You know, there's some rough created and you know that these this could be really uncomfortable for the batsman, but you don't have anybody to make use of those conditions. Uh, it's fair enough to stick with the spinner, I guess, and for really, really except the most exceptional circumstances. <laughs> Okay, so I'm, uh, I'm I kind of agree with you because uh, I also think uh, you know Pandya is still unknown like of bowling long spells. You know, coming in as a fifth bowler, bowling all rounder is good, but uh, to carry the workload, you know, if innings do get extended, I'm not sure the proven quantity there. And uh, similar question to you, Sanket. I mean, uh, with pace uh, being the choice in Johannesburg, you think Asia Maharaj plays for the for the South Africa? Personally, I wouldn't because I think South Africa definitely need that extra batsman because uh, even in even in Centurion, which was a fairly spin-friendly track by South African standards, that is, Keshav Maharaj didn't have much of a role to play. I think he bowled like uh, 25 or 
30-32 overs and just gave away 100 runs for one wicket in the test match, which is okay, fair enough. I mean, uh, you probably don't expect Keshav Maharaj to take a five-wicket haul against the Indian batsmen in South Africa, even though it was a, a, a perhaps more spin-friendly surface than some of the others. But uh, he still has, I think, uh, an extra batsman would definitely bring more value to the team because Keshav Maharaj has largely been used in a containing role. He's not going to take wickets uh, in these conditions. And as I pointed out, the pitch is likely to be far more greener and far quicker than the one at Centurion. And it's probably going to be similar to the one at Newlands at Cape Town. And uh, Keshav Maharaj was totally redundant there. So, And with Quinton Decog, especially out of form, he's had a torrid time of late in this series. Hashim Amala also, even though he got runs at Centurion, uh, not quite looking uh, his usual self. So I think there, there are question marks over the South African batting lineup, and they could definitely do with the extra batsmen. I'd go with Temba Bavuma for uh, Keshav Maharaj at number six and with uh, drop Quinton Decog down to number seven and stick with the same four paces, I guess. Okay. So we are at the 20-minute mark of the podcast, and I think we should really talk about the main topic. You know, again, we can't avoid it. Uh, and this man does polarize Indian, you know, uh, Indian fan base to a great extent. And we are talking about none other than Rohit Sharma. Uh, Nandish Desai is a good friend of mine and listens to the podcast. He's asking this question, and you both can probably have a go at it. Uh, uh, is Rohit being wasted at five? Uh, or maybe he means, is his selection justified? I don't know, Sanket, you were... Uh, of the opinion that he should have played in the first test and not Pandya. India should have gone with six batsmen. Uh, what's your take on Rohit now? And I know you are open, very open about the assessment that he has some major technical flaws. It's not just the lazy elegance that gets in the way. It's uh, more than that. Absolutely. And I think this is one of the lazy narratives that I, I personally I, I really get annoyed with because every time uh, a player fails and there, is an, and there is a narrative that is established about him that he's temperamentally flawed and doesn't uh, is lazy and all that sort of stuff. And you generally try to attribute each and every of his failures to uh, that particular narrative. But I, I'm not too sure that holds true. I, I don't think Rohit Sharma has thrown his wicket away in any of the three matches uh, or in any of the two matches or even in some of the past overseas tours. I just think uh, it, it is more to do with his technique and him perhaps not quite having the defensive technique to last against this quality of fast bowling for too long a period of time because I think his head tends to fall over when he's trying to transfer his weight onto the front foot and doesn't quite meet the ball under, the, uh, under his eye line and he tends to lose balance a little little bit and uh, there is a massive gap between his bat and pad and that, that's generally fatal and he, that's why he's so vulnerable to LBWs. He's also got the bat- flaw of uh, you know fishing outside the off stump and nicking it behind which which generally happens with all batsmen but with uh, it probably happens more so in Rohit Sharma's case than any other. So I, I, I do think that he's got technical issues. I, I would have played him at the start of the series and uh, because I think I do generally believe in playing six batsmen uh, in testing conditions and he was the only of Available option in the squad. Uh, as to, as for what I do now, right now, I think now that you have played in in a couple of test matches and now it has got some forty odd runs, I think it probably it's better to uh, see, see out the series because, uh, especially uh, since I pointed out the Johannesburg surface will probably require an extra batsman. So Rahane comes in for Ashwin and Rohit Sharma stays. If he doesn't perform, then I guess it might be time to move on from him in test cricket. Jinka, uh, your take on Rohit Sharma? We finally arrive at that point, right? <laughs> Uh, well, uh, I don't know, but uh, I've always be, uh, held a different view about Rohit Sharma. I think uh, I know that uh, he hasn't really, you know, he's just criticized too much, in my opinion. Uh, he hasn't really ever got a consistent test team. He's always playing for his place. And it's not like, you know, uh, his uh, teammates in the middle order, uh, 
you know, uh, let's say Kohli and Rahani have to to a large extent, but it's not like some of the other batsmen in the Indian team have performed brilliantly uh, outside of subcontinental conditions. Uh, I think he has shown enough enough times that he has the uh, ability to handle bowling at this level. And you know, this is just a couple of test matches. It's it's he's been facing a really really good South African attack, and uh, the pitches haven't been easy to bat on at all. Uh, I would I would definitely stick with him for the next test and uh, the a call regarding his test future will, can be taken later. I guess. Sorry, are you on the same board as Sanket that there are some technical flaws uh, in his batting when it comes to this depth of fast bowling, or again you think uh, he's also under immense pressure even though he has the backing of his captain that you know he's, every time he goes out to bat there's an extra layer of pressure. Uh there is certainly a layer of pressure because uh, he, as I mentioned, he's often playing for his place. Uh, he hasn't really got a consistent run like Pujara or Rahane have. And Rahane obviously has repaid the faith. But uh, I think uh, Rohit Sharma is worth sticking with, at least for the next Test match. And uh, regarding technical flaws, yes, uh, it happens when you uh, play most of your cricket in subcontinental conditions. He does uh, tend to... Uh, not move his feet, which uh, then gets you in trouble outside the off stump. But uh, I also think he's one of the you know uh, few Indian batsmen who are naturally comfortable against pace bowling. I'm not talking about seam movement here, but against pace and bounce, I think he is. Uh, he has always shown that he's comfortable scoring off the back foot and he can play a lovely pull shot. Uh, not the best batsman, I'd say for the seaming conditions, but then few guys are. You know, not everybody can be a Rahul Dravid or Sachin Tendulkar. So uh, definitely stick okay. with him, and uh, I hope he comes good. And uh, so you don't play Rahane again, right? That's that's very yeah, yeah. Just... I, I uh, stick with uh, uh, not playing Rahane and play the same uh, team combination. Because, as I said, I think uh, we need to have a spinner in a test match, really. Because unless it's an exceptional condition, uh, which I don't believe it will be at Johannesburg. Okay, funny. Uh, no, fair enough. Not funny enough. It's, uh, I think it's the right call because India won't be playing uh, a test match for a while. After this, I believe it's going to be the IPL. Mm-hmm. If I'm They've got correct. A so, thank you. Let me... What's They've that? got a tri-series in Sri Lanka, I believe. And after that, the IPL and then the England tour. Yeah, but no test match, right, yeah, for a while. no yeah. test match. So where does that leave a guy like Rahane? Because even uh, Sanket, he's uh, you know out of favours in the ODI side because it's pretty clear either he's open or he won't play, and he's out of the T Twenty side, which could be you know good to cl- you know to really have clarity in your head because sometimes it's too hard to juggle all the three formats. But uh, Rahane is in the same boat as Pujara was two years ago when Kumle came in. So uh, there, there's an un- uncertainty. Looks like there's only only out of Pujara and. and uh, uh, Rahane, there's only one guy can play. That's where I'm going with this. I know it's like a conspiracy theory, but I think it's the same kind of everyone who is aggressive can play and uh, everyone who's not of that aggressive mindset, I think is going to miss the boat. That, you know, I could be totally off on this, but that's the impression I'm getting with Kohli and Shastri. Because, uh, you know, they never badmouth Sharma. Sharma always finds a way. I disagree with Ajenka, but at the same time, I know he's under pressure. But it's it's a great pressure to have when your boss is backing you, and it's a totally opposite pressure that Pujara has when you know your boss is not backing you. 
No, I'm not too sure I agree with that actually because uh, uh, Rahane and Pujara have played together uh, for most of the test matches that India have played and I don't think Pujara, Rahane's dropping is actually down to his, him not being aggressive enough or anything of that sort because I think Rahane is actually quite an aggressive batsman. He's, he's scored some really fast-paced hundreds overseas, the hundred at Lords, the hundred that he scored at Melbourne where he absolutely mm-hmm. dominated Mitchell Johnson. Uh, but So I don't think that's a case of aggression. I just think that his form was absolutely horrible uh, over the last year or so actually not just in the series against Sri Lanka his issues have actually started from the England series last year after which he got injured and despite that I think he was brought back uh, immediately despite Karun Nair scoring a triple 100 so I don't agree with the notion that Rahani doesn't have the backing of the team he definitely has the backing which is why he was brought back for the series against uh, Australia And but he, he hasn't quite performed since then either and he had an absolutely miserable time against Sri Lanka average something like 3 or 4 so I, I can see why they left out Rahani I don't think it is as bad a decision uh, as it might seem in hindsight but uh, I think now that you have lost a couple of test matches I think it, it doesn't make any more se- any sense to leave him out any further you've got to go back to your tried and tested uh, batsmen so I think Rahani has to come back in uh, but I don't agree that he doesn't have the backing of the team and regarding Pujara well uh, I'm not too sure because uh, Yes, he has been criticized or publicly pointed out in the past for uh, his inability to rotate the strike and perhaps not quite impose himself on the opposition. Uh, but uh, the fact remains that they have still stuck to him uh, ever since he was recalled in the West Indies. And he has absolutely repaid the effort. He's played some really good innings uh, at Bangalore in the second innings where there was up and down bounce at, at, at the Eden Gardens on a green green top against Sri Lanka in the first innings. And even against even 100 against Sri Lanka at, at the SSC in Colombo in two 2015, which is on a very similar green sort of a surface. So I think Pujara has shown enough uh, for him to get a continued run. Uh, regarding whether he's under pressure or not, as I said, I, I, we don't know what happens, uh, what goes on behind the dressing room. So we'll probably get to know better uh, when the team selection for the third test comes out. If he if he is dropped, then you might well be right. But as of now, I still think that Pujara is perhaps not quite under the same pressure that is being portrayed in the media. I personally think he'll play the next test and he'll definitely make the tour of England as well. Yeah, and uh, rightfully, I think both of you pointed out, uh, it's context too that matters. I mean, a lot of times a batsman can come and score like a 200 or, you know, like 150. But you have to look at the opposition, the context. It could be like 300 for three, there's no pressure. And sometimes, you know, Rahane, when he came back against Australia in that series, he was part of, you know, a couple of good uh, partnerships that uh, turned that series around. So, it's going to be interesting to see who Kohli goes with. Uh, That... uh, that brings me to my next question, which again, a uh, lot of us, even sometimes I'm casual. I mean, I'm, I, I follow a lot of test cricket, but I sometimes don't distinguish myself. And there's this big talk that's always going on on Crick Info with different fan bases. Now, it's, it's like political parties, you know, like what is really a good test pitch? I mean, you guys follow this a lot and are part of many active discussions. Is, is, is every wicket that spins from day one a bad wicket or is every green top a bad wicket? What is the distinction and who wants to take this first? Um, I'll just say that a test pitch, uh, any test pitch which is not dangerous to a batsman is fair enough. I mean, a, a turner once in a while is fun to watch. A green top once in a while is fun to watch. Sometimes you have a flat track and batsmen get their runs. It's fair enough. That's all part of test cricket. I'm of the opinion that as long as uh, it does not tend too much towards any one side for the whole course of a series, that's fine. And it shouldn't be dangerous to batsmen, of course. And uh, other than that, I really don't have any, you know, preferences about what kind of test pitches are kosher and what kind of test test pitches are not uh, shouldn't be seen. 
it's all it's all part of the game. It's fun to watch on a turner. It's fun to watch on a green top. That's fine. I agree, actually. I mean, I think the beauty of watching Test cricket is to see the different sorts of conditions that uh, are thrown up your way uh, when you travel to different countries. So, I mean, you don't want to see a green top in India or you don't want to see a rank turner uh, at, at Johannesburg. So, I think th- that that's what makes Test cricket so different. And in limited overs cricket, the pitches are homogenized and uh, uh, you see most of the batsmen uh, scoring runs everywhere in ODI cricket these days. The pitches are flat and you see just 300, 350 kind of totals pretty much everywhere. Uh, but at Test cricket, I think th- that is where the unique identity of this format still lies. And uh, But however, I would like to point out that the conditions should not be too extreme. Uh, as I said, turning tracks, green tops, everything is fine. The p- problem is with the degrees. And I think the pitches uh, at, say, uh, Nagpur or Pune that were uh, dished out in India's home season, I thought they were a little bit too extreme and probably just reduced cricket to a bit of a lottery which I don't think should be the case. I think uh, I want to see batsmen tested, but I want to see them tested uh, based on their skill set and uh, not survive due to pure luck. Uh, so I think there has to be that balance. I mean, it's really hard to, I mean, you know, point out what exactly is a good pitch, but I just think there needs to be a balance between bat and ball. And uh, it doesn't matter which type of a bowler it suits, spin friendly, seam friendly is fine. It should just should not be too extreme and it definitely should not be too flat because I think flat pitches are the biggest uh, threat to test cricket which end up in dull draws I think the pitch at the MCG for the Ashes was an absolute disgrace that's that's definitely not something that I'd like to see okay. I'd, I'd agree with you there I mean apart from pitches which are dangerous for a batsman uh, the next least desirable, desirable category for me would be you know the really fl- flat wickets where batsmen you know the team scored 400 and 450 in the fourth innings so uh, apart from that uh, it the other i mean uh, you don't really want to see a test series full of dust bowls a dust bowl once in a while is fine uh, some of the pitches i know in recent indian series for example uh, the south africa series last time they toured india they were absolute bunsens so uh, there shouldn't be too much of that but uh, i don't really have have a problem if i see a dust bowl once in a while you know it's it's fine and uh, you know usually good batsmen can find a way to make runs on those uh, steve smith i mean uh, all of the pitches in the australia series weren't really you know what you'd call typical dust bowls, but uh, he's a he's a brilliant batsman, and he found a way to score runs against some really good spin bowling. So good players usually find a way. That's what I believe. Okay, so talking, talking about Steve, Steve Smith and uh, Australian cricket, Sanket, are you at terms with uh, Nathan Lyon being overlooked for the ICC Bowling Award uh, and Ravi Chandran Ashwin getting the nod? Are you okay as an Australian fan? <laughs> Uh, well, not really, because but then I just checked the qualification period, and uh, Ashwin has taken more wickets than Lyon during the same period. Lyon probably has the better average, I believe, because uh, uh, but he's played fewer test matches. Ashwin has played more tests, and obviously he play because he's played all his tests in India. He's bowled a lot of overs, and he's picked up wickets. There have been occasions when he's gone for runs as well, which is why his average is not quite as good as Lyon's. But he's taken, I think, like thirty-six more wickets than Lyon in the same qualification period. So I guess probably consideration period, it's fair enough. I would have still picked Lyon just because he has been playing away from home. A spinner from Australia taking wickets against the subcontinental batsman in India is far more impressive than a subcontinental spinner.
are taking wickets against the likes of England or Australia at home. So uh, I personally would have picked Lyon considering the context of his achievements in India and Bangladesh uh, and uh, even at, in the Ashes uh, where there was not a lot of assistance for the spinners. He was uh, he was a standout. So he was almost took as many wickets as the, the three fast bowlers. So uh, yeah, I think valid arguments can be made for both. But considering the vast uh, difference in the number of wickets, the 36 wickets, uh, uh, probably fair enough, yeah. And uh, Ajinkya, you're, you're fine with Virat Kohli captaining the ICC side, right? Uh, as the best captain of the year? <laughs> uh, well, uh, regarding, I mean, India have been nearly unbeatable at home, haven't they? So, uh, looking at that, it's fair enough, I guess. And uh, it, it, uh, it doesn't really, you know, matter when you've got two or three uh, test captains in a team. Captains it, I think it's, 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 I really don't have a, you know, definite view about this. It's, it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, this is yeah, yeah. It's a cricket's version of an all-star right. game that actually doesn't take. So that's fine. We can all live with it. And uh, before we wrap things up, uh, there's another question that came in from Harsh. He wants to know, of course, with India's uh, next series is away in uh-huh. England for Test matches. Uh, do we look at other options like Karun Nair or Mayank Agarwal? You know, both who've had a fantastic Ranji season. Uh, who wants to take this? Nair, I'm not too sure because I saw him bad in the series against Australia on against fast bowling and he looked a fish out of water. I think he just looked completely close, clueless against the pace of uh, Pat Cummins and Josh Hazelwood and Mitchell Stark. Uh, regarding Mayank Agarwal, I have not seen him bad in, in the Ranji Trophy. Whatever I've seen of him in limited overs cricket, I'm not too sure his technique would be sustainable at the test level. So, again, I'm not too keen on that. I think the guy who could perhaps be looked at and I think should be looked at possibly as a backup opener uh, 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 at, the, at the expense of possibly Shikhar Dhawan is possibly uh, Faiz Fazal. Uh, he's done well for India. Eh? He's, he's a seasoned campaigner. I believe he's, uh, I think, around 30 years old. He's been playing for almost a decade now. And uh, he, he scored some runs for uh, India eh, on overseas tours uh, in Australia as well as South Africa. So, and he seems to have a good technique. I have not seen an awful lot of him. So, this is perhaps more of a stats-based opinion, uh, seeing his performances for the A-side and all. But uh, whatever little I've seen, I think he's got a good technique. So, maybe he could be looked at uh, as, uh, as a backup opener. Uh, middle order, I'm not too sure. Shreya Sayer is someone who gets mentioned, but I'm not particularly convinced by him. So, yeah, I'm probably not best qualified to comment on that. Okay, before we end that, uh, there's one more question that I had in mind and it just kind of slipped uh, through the conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ajinka, I'll ask you this one. Uh, What is the mindset change in Murli Vijay? I mean, a lot of people think he's trying more aggressive shots or he's just, you know, he just looks a hurried self of himself. Uh, Have you noticed the same? Yeah, uh, I did. And uh, his dismissal to... uh... To the spinner uh, in in the in the first innings, I, I believe it was at Centurion where he got caught at. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was uh, a fairly strange dismissal. Uh, but uh, he isn't batting like he usually does. I agree. Uh, and uh, it was a. I mean, uh, the others have uh, haven't really scored runs, but Murli Vijay's batting was revealing to me in that he wasn't his usual self. You know, calmly, patiently leaving the balls outside off stump. Uh, I don't know if there was some uh, change in uh, team strategy which uh, which was uh, directed to him to be more aggressive. Uh, I think there was. Uh, uh, really, uh, I mean, have you heard something about that? 
Yeah, he Murli Vijay spoke uh, something to this effect in the press mm-hmm. conference about uh, you know not just uh, leaving balls and not just looking to survive, but he spoke about scoring more runs as well, which I found a little bit strange because this approach of Murli Vijay of just leaving balls and just waiting for the bad ball and just playing a game of patience with the bowlers that had served him really well on his last overseas leg. He, he succeeded in three out of the four countries uh, that they toured overseas last time around. So it was kind of strange to see him, uh, you know, utter those words and seeing him bad in the first couple of test matches, he's, he's probably taken that a bit too seriously because he seems to be having the trigger movement towards the offside. I think, his, I think uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think his uh, st- guard is probably more geared towards middle stump now than the middle leg that used to be earlier. And he's probably trying to chase balls outside the off stump and uh, trying to create scoring opportunities instead of just waiting for the bad delivery. So I'm not too sure Murli Vijay is the guy to, that should be doing that. I think his role should should be to see off the new ball and, you know, uh, make things easy for the middle order. But uh, yeah, probably a team a part of the team strategy, I guess. Yeah, the, the team logo that is called Intent. <laughs> so anyway, so let's wrap this up and I have a quick fire round. I'll ask you the same questions, you know, like Karan Johar does at his show and just answer this about the mm-hmm. test match. So, Ajinka, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you can go first. So, three questions are, who wins a match? Who scores the most runs for India? And who scores a, who takes the most wickets in the match for both sides? Uh, who wins the match for India? Uh, who wins the match? India or oh, South Africa? Oh, that way. Uh, I think South Africa, yeah. Uh, who scores the most runs in the match? I'm going to go with A.B. De Villiers. And who takes the most wickets? Uh, I think I'm going to go with Vernon Pilander again. And then one more question, because uh, the question was, who scores the most runs for India? So, who comes good in our batting? Oh, oh, obvious answer. I think it's going to be Virat Kohli. I mean, if I had to bet, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sanket? Johannesburg, actually. And if the pitch is a green top, then it just becomes a bit of a lottery. And the toss could play a crucial role. And India have never lost to Johannesburg. They've won one and drawn three there, I believe. So, I guess this could just go that way. I just get the feeling. I mean, it's there's no logic to it. And uh, South Africa don't have a great record at, Wander- at the Wanderers. Yep. So, maybe yep. India, uh, leading wicket-taker would perhaps be Bhuvaneshwar Kumar, assuming he plays. Batsman, obviously, Virat Kohli. So, that that would be how I go. Uh, but I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I hope you're correct. Yeah, I think India deserves to, you know, have... A- <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'd love India to win at least a test match on this too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, this is a fun talk. We should do this again. And with Australia coming, we can dedicate a whole episode and bring other guys, you know, like Anand and Sabi, and have a good conversation of that series because that's going to be a great uh, battle of fast bowlers. But till then, yeah, till then, enjoy the Australian Open and let's wait for this test match. Thanks, guys. Yeah, pleasure talking to you again, Sakip. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Absolutely. Lovely to be on here. Cheers.